Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, we have Kara Golden. She is the founder and CEO of Hint, which is best known for its award-winning Hint Water, the leading unsweetened flavored water. But we talk really today about Kara's journey and her book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. We get into the book, her journey, lessons through entrepreneurship, building Hint into you know the company that it is. It's a really inspiring episode for anyone who is currently an entrepreneur or aspiring to become one. I think this is a great episode to listen to. But before we get into it, as always, this episode is brought to you by Cave Social. That's us. We are a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow through social media. So if you're feeling stuck, you need some help, whether it be on the ad side, organic content, we can help you out. So head over to Cave Social hit that contact us we'd be glad to help you out all right let's sit back let's enjoy this episode what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the mind your marketing podcast today on the show we're joined by kara golden she is the founder and ceo of hint hint incorporated which is best known for its award-winning hint water the leading unsweetened flavored water she's also just this past year released a book undaunted overcoming doubts and doubters kara welcome to the show thanks for having me so I read the book and I want to hop right in. I'm going to let you tell the story, but I want you to talk about the sweetie moment and tell this story to our listeners because I think it's a great way to kick it off. Good times, right? So uh, (laughs) it's a story that I think has hit close to home for so many entrepreneurs, maybe not with a Coke executive or been called sweetie, but something similar. You know, it was about a year after I'd started Hint and you know, I'm plugging away, I'm getting it at stores and on shelves throughout the Bay Area where I live. And I was a tech executive prior to starting Hint. I had no experience in the beverage industry. I started the company because I gave up Diet Coke and realized that I should have been drinking water for years, but wasn't because it was boring. So I sliced up fruit and I had actually come up with a product idea and that was getting me healthy and, and why not get other people healthy? And so all sounds great, but along the way, I was tired, right? It was a year into slugging away, getting it into stores in the Bay Area, and uh, I couldn't figure out, I was getting a lot of pressure from Whole Foods in particular that I got it on the shelf, and then they were like, okay, well, when are you getting a distributor, and when are you going to do this? It was like, it's like when you think you're done, and then you're not. It's like you take one step forward and then two steps back. It was fun for a while, if that makes sense. But then all of a sudden you're like, every day it's just something new comes up and maybe I should go back to tech or, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this, right? And that's just a totally normal thing that uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs you know, feel at some point along the way. I also had four kids under the age of six, which was another component of sort of, you know, should I really be doing this or not? So I was sharing with a girlfriend of mine that, uh, gosh, I don't know if I really want to do this. I mean, I've gotten it on the shelf. The product is not just collecting dust on the shelf. People are actually buying it. But I can't figure out how to produce a product that has a longer shelf life. And that's what all my stores are telling me that they need. I can't just have a three-week shelf life. And then I also need distributors. They wouldn't allow me to come into the stores anymore or for very much longer with my 
cases in my Grand Cherokee and they don't allow that stuff. You got to have an official distributor, even though as stupid as that may sound, that's what they were requesting. So she mentioned to me that she had been on a flight sitting next to this guy, pretty senior executive from Coca-Cola. And she's like, I'm going to reach out to him because maybe he can help. And I remember when I finally figured out that I got the meeting, it was going to be a phone call that I I was so prepared for that meeting. I mean, I knew my numbers backwards and forwards. I It was, you know, game time. I get on the phone and I'm selling him on how great, you know, this company is. I developed not only a company, but this new category and you're going to love it. And this is what you guys, you just have to help me figure out distribution and we can work together. I had it all figured out. And about 15 minutes into the phone conversation, he said, interrupted me. And he said, sweetie, Americans love sweet. This isn't going anywhere. And I was like, whoa, you know, I've never been called sweetie before. But as my dad said, it's a really good thing that you weren't sitting in the same room as him, because that probably wouldn't have ended up great. Like he would have seen seen your nonverbal communication at minimum. And this was before Zoom, of course, or anything like that. So if people have asked me all the time when I've mentioned the story and, you know, doing keynotes, they've said, did you hang up the phone on him? Did you tell him off? No, I didn't. I didn't. I was so shocked that I just sat there and let him talk. And it was at that point when he went on to share what I later thought about as his strategy. And, you know, here was this person, you always think when you're walking in as an entrepreneur that, you know, there's this big, knight in shining armor, right, out there that is just big, multi-billion dollar industry, right, that they're going to solve all my problems if I can just get that meeting and that phone call with them. And here he's dissing me, right, and my idea and saying it's stupid. It was at that point that I just basically listened for the next 45 minutes and really wanted, frankly, him to talk about health, which was my whole purpose for starting this company. For me, the beverage was the tool that had gotten me healthy just by enjoying water. But I just kept waiting for 45 minutes and he never said the word health. Instead, when I listened to him talk about what the consumer wanted, which again, I had a year, I wasn't a billion dollar company, but I had a year's worth of data that said that this consumer actually did want to enjoy water that tasted better, that didn't want drinks that didn't have sugar and sweeteners in it. And so I hung up the phone with him. I think he thought at that point, I've convinced her not to do this. And I sat there sort of stunned and thought, okay, I have two choices. One, I give up and I just close up shop. Or two, it's obvious to me that he's on a different river. I sort of, I always have visuals for things, right? For me, it was like the, that there were two rivers that were running side by side and he had, I had this little tugboat at best, right? And he had this cruise ship. And so I thought he'll eventually figure it out what I'm seeing, but it's going to take him a while to turn the cruise ship around because he's really about sugar and soda, right? And, Mm -hmm. but he's got a lot of money so he can get a lot of help, right? To turn that cruise ship around. So I just thought I got to throw the gas on on this thing now and get going and get a head start on him because he really doesn't see what I'm seeing. And I think the thing that really, really saved me and really kind of gave me this energy to go and kind of forget about giving up, but instead continue moving it forward was customers and having that one-on-one connection with our customers. So in a accidental way, we put, again, we didn't know what we were doing when I started the company. And I say we, because I, my husband joined me early on 
mostly because he was worried that I was going to spend all of our money in our savings account. And so he sort of like was going along for the ride initially and uh, and then joined us uh, shortly after we birthed Hint and our fourth child. But we put an 800 number on the bottle and an email and you could reach out and get the customer service team. Don't tell anybody, but I was the customer service team. So I did all the, you know, I talked to all these customers and I kept hearing from consumers that they were so happy that this water was out there because it helped them drink water. I started also hearing about this disease called type 2 diabetes, which at that time was like 2% of the population 15 years ago. Today, it's like 40 to 45% of the population has type 2 diabetes. So it was something that again, I I was just getting super educated around health and what people were really looking for. And if I wouldn't have had that direct relationship with the customer 15 years ago that I so value today and you know, our business is like 50% of our business is direct to consumer today. And you know, I tell people all the time that ultimately it's the consumer and that relationship with your consumer that helps you actually figure out when you have all these doubters. I find it so interesting on like, we hear, you know, perception is reality, right? But mm-hmm. don't let someone else's perception be your reality. And you took that when the guy from Coca-Cola is saying that you said, okay, that's, you know, you're in this other river, how you've put. Yeah. And I think that's so important for people listening to realize that if you can see it and you're talking with your customers and you're hearing it and you know, deep down, like I'm doing something that is good. You know, you can stay on that path. And then building on that, you, t- you say something interesting by putting the 1-800 line and being the customer service line yourself yeah. is in all the startup books today, they say, go get customer feedback, you know, do yeah. fancy ways to get it. And it's like, actually, sometimes just listening to them and picking up the phone when they call, you're probably able to get some very useful feedback, you know, right? No, it was, it was huge. In fact, I was just talking to some of our interns that we have working for us. And, you know, it's, it, I, I happen to know one of our interns that is still an intern for the last three years, and he's an engineering school. And one day he said to me, he was like, hey, listen, I know our customer service team is a little bit backed up on something. Do you mind if I hop in on customer service? I said, you don't, you're an engineer, you don't need to do that. And he said, no, 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 it'd be really helpful to me because I want to, especially on ones where people are having problems navigating. And I said, you're really smart. I mean, right? Like that is the sign of a good engineer, right? Who wants to actually understand like, what is the problem? Because he wanted to get close to the customer. And I said, that's just, you know, brilliant. And I was saying to our interns, I said, you know, this is your time. Like, this is the time to sort of do that kind of stuff that work outside of the box and go ask if you can sort of do something that you don't usually do because you'll learn. I love it. So, That's awesome. Yeah. To, and to, to understand if you think about it like a car engine and if we're one piece of the engine, sure, we might want to understand that one piece, but how does the whole thing work, right? And how does the right. whole car move and what direction are we driving and all of those things I think is so important. But I want to move on to something that I think is really important and kind of builds off that first part in that story with the Coca-Cola executive. And it's that, you know, people, they have this vision of entrepreneurs that they're just like, fearless out there taking chances every day. But, you know, in Undaunted, you really talk about getting through your own doubts and fears and battling past those. Like what was going on here and how did you get through things like imposter syndrome? Yeah. I mean, I think that the key thing that I've learned along the way is that everybody, I've met so many entrepreneurs over the years and some I've worked for as well, but they all have fears right? And, you know, you can fake it till you make it. And 
those same people have had fears, right? It, it's just, they do. And it's a natural human feeling. But it really is about, I think the key to success and, and being an entrepreneur overall is curiosity and also the ability to go try, right? And if you keep remembering those things that you're going to go and try and see what happens and don't allow yourself to make those walls like so high or ever let them get so high, but instead just try and knock down some things every single day. I mean, I think it falls into imposter syndrome too, because it's just, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And, you know, celebrate those little wins, celebrate those times that maybe you feel like you're not getting anything done or you just can't get over this hurdle and go find some way to go learn, right? Because when you start going and doing those things, whether it's, you know, picking up a good book that has a, you know, maybe not even in your industry, but talks about an entrepreneur and sweetie or, you know, something like that, that really gets people, you go outside for a little while and then you just see that you're not alone. I always was really bothered by people thinking that entrepreneurs were these, like you said, fearless risk takers or unicorns or failures. And I always felt that there was stuff that went on in between and taking money from the wrong people or a pandemic, right? There's so many things that could happen along the way and not paying attention to great customer service or you know, whatever it is. And I think that those are really the key things and just being curious and knowing that you're going to have doubters, you're going to have your own doubts, you're going to have fears, you're going to have failures along the way and challenges. But the key is just really trying and continuing to move forward. I love that. I love the idea of embracing curiosity, this identity of being a learner, right? Because if you're like, I'm a person who learns, then you're not afraid to be wrong. You're not afraid to try things. You're not totally. you're not as afraid. And you can take those chances. I think that's powerful and something that is almost a good thing to really for entrepreneurs to put into their identity. Like I'm gonna be a learn it all. You know, I'm really yeah. gonna try to put myself out there. Building off that, right? You said this at one part of and taking the chance, I think, is so important in building off that. You said this quote I want to read to you. I said to myself, you're smart. You can figure it out. And you can help people by helping them enjoy water. And I love this because I'm a big believer in self-talk. So I wanted to ask you just how important has self-talk been to you, you know, and self-belief as an entrepreneur as you've kind of gotten through and gotten through and over these hurdles? A thousand percent. I mean, I think that the thing is, is especially when you're launching, as we were doing, not just a, a company, but also a category, your vision is ahead of where people are. And, you know, it's not just in the beverage industry. I mean, there's Steve Jobs, there's Spanx founder, there's, I mean, there's, there's tons of people out there that are launching something new, and they've all heard from the doubters, right? And that this isn't going to happen. And I think at some point, I think that the key thing about those times and really kind of being your own best advocate is that you have to remind yourself that what you've been through. So even as a kid, people used to say to me, oh, forget about, I was an athlete. And I would have a coach that would say, oh, forget about, you know, what, what happened yesterday. And I'd be thinking, well, I fell off the bars yesterday and it kind of sucked, right? And then I would think, why did I fall off the bars? Well, I didn't put enough powder on my hands or or I put too much or, you know, and I would start to think about these things. And so it's the same thing, right? You can learn from 
those challenging times. And I think also talk to yourself about those challenging times and when you were successful, when you didn't think you were. But again, when you don't always have the same people by your side, it's you, right? It's you that needs to kind of have these conversations and remind yourself. And, you know, one of the things I call myself an accidental entrepreneur, but I call myself an accidental author too, because I never anticipated writing this book, but it was my journal. And part of it was not just me having this little voice in my head, but also I would write down a lot of these stories for to help myself. And then when I would run into entrepreneurs who would say, like, I'm sure you've never had any failures. You're just an overnight success. And I was like, oh, of course, you know, and then I would share these stories along the way and and how I just learned so many lessons. And again, it was a way to sort of help me, you know, maybe you don't have to journal in order to remember those stories I did. And I just think that the other part of the reason why I wanted to write the book too was that even when I was out speaking and sometimes people would, you know, I talked about these stories when people would ask me during a Q&A, they would write to me and say, gosh, thank you so much for telling me that story. I mean, I don't have the same story, but I have something similar. And just hearing from you, it helped me know that I can move forward and, you know, that I'm not the only one that this happens to. And I thought if I could just write these things down and share them with people, I could help a lot of people. And I still say today, even as I think about my company, Hint, I never thought I was going to launch a beverage company. My friends in college, like just still, if you're on my Facebook page, I mean, they're still like, wait, you? I had no idea that you were were addicted to Diet Coke. So maybe I thought you would go work at Coca-Cola, but this was never what I imagined you to go do. And I think that for me today, I always share with people and share with my children too. If you can do something that you feel like has purpose and meaning and that you're helping a lot of people, and I feel like I'm helping people with a water company, I also feel like I'm helping people with this book. That's like, you can go volunteer somewhere and help a lot of people, right? That There's a feeling that you get energized by when you get emails from people, DMs from people, phone calls from people saying, that just really helped me. Right. And if you can ever do that, you'll know what I'm talking about. Right. Whether it's a company or just volunteering, you just feel somebody feels like they're at the end or they're headed in the wrong direction. And then they hear from somebody that's been in that direction. And I think, unfortunately, not enough people share these stories. And so people Mm -hmm. have said to me, you're so authentic. I'm like, really? I mean, I I don't know. I'm just I'm just me. Right. And but I I think more people need to kind of share these stories. And especially it's a way, I think, to kind of lift the next generation, too, because there's times when it hasn't been easy. It's so crucial, right? It's huge, right? To be unapologetically yourself and then tell these stories in that way, because entrepreneurship can be so lonely at times. And you think you think it's me against the world. And then you go and you open up a book like Undaunted. And I, we said before we started recording, right, there were a couple instances where I was getting fired up and like in a good way, like motivated and laughing at other points because I'm like, oh, I've had that happen in a totally different industry, but it was the same type yeah. of feeling, right? Or the same setback or the same thing that was needed or mentorship, whatever it was. Like, I think that there's solace in that of mm-hmm. knowing as an entrepreneur, like, oh, that person is just like me. They're just yeah. a human. They're trying their best. And it's like, you can start to see yourself in them and become inspired. And I think that is, I think it's very powerful. Or stories. I mean, I've also tell people like, gosh, I thought my journey was bad, but yours was like awful. Like you were sitting here dealing with 
you know, stuff. I One of the stories that actually sadly got cut out of the book, my journal was like 600 pages. So I probably have another book of these stories, but I was just sharing this story earlier today with a group that, uh, that people have always asked me, was it hard to raise money as a woman? And, you know, my response, somewhat joking, but somewhat serious, I've never been a man, so I don't know. I just think raising money is just hard, right? And it's mm -hmm. just something that, I don't know, it's sort of, for me, it's been almost, you know, at times, like, I felt like I was begging, right? It was just, it, it was really tough because I thought my baby was so pretty and then I'd walk in and people would be like, well, you know, Coke's going to crush you and, you know, and they have all these like opinions and it's really, really hard. And I'll never forget, I just had my fourth child and I guess he was probably, this was right before the sweetie time. It was, you know, good times. It was probably nine months into, into launching him. I decided to, I really want to go out and raise money. I kind of felt like I sort of knew what I, depending on the day, I knew what I was doing. And uh, so everybody said, oh, Silicon Valley, you're, you know, you've got all these people in Silicon Valley that Sand Hill Road, they, you're a tech executive, you should go raise money. So one day, one of the big kind of A-list firms reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I see Google's got it, your product in their offices, and we do too now. And, you know, great story. You're a tech executive, and now you're launching a beverage. You should come in and see us. So drive down to Silicon Valley and from San Francisco, where I was living, and my husband's parking the car. And he's on as chief operating officer. He was an intellectual property attorney in Silicon Valley before he's parking the car. And we walk in. And the guy looks at me and he's done his research on me. And he said, so, you know, I understand you have four kids. First thing out of his mouth here, I'm like pitching my company. And I said, I do. I have four kids. And he said, so who's watching the kids? And I looked at him and I said, totally threw me. And I looked at him and I said, uh, oh, my God. And he said, is everything OK? And I said, oh, yeah, I just remembered there's this thing called babysitters. Can you believe it? Like it's such a it's such a great thing. And he caught himself just by me sort of responding in this way. And he said, that was really rude of me to actually mm. say that to you. And I said, no, no problem. But there are babysitters. And it's such a great thing when you have four kids. And he said, I don't know why I asked you that. And what's so funny, he didn't end up investing in the company. And people said, do you think he invest? He didn't invest because you called him out on it? And I said, no, I don't think he invested because he's never invested in another beverage company. And I said, who knows? But having said that, I've seen him since now that we're the largest private non-alcoholic beverage in the country that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper Snapple. And he has somewhat serious, somewhat joking, reminded me of that story. And he said, I remember when I said that to you, and I have never, ever said that to another woman walking in pitching again, right? It's a powerful story where, and again, I go back to kind of all points eventually connect. There was purpose, right? That 100%. day, yeah. <laughs> right? And, and, he, him and how many times has he told that story to mm -hmm. other people and has said, it's not cool. Like, you know, and, and again, it's all fine. It didn't work out, but there was purpose in there. And, and again, challenging times happen along the way and they don't seem great when you're in it, right? But you just dust yourself off and just keep moving. 
I love to hear that, you know, that story and you start to hear the purpose and behind it, like you said, and although he didn't invest and the firm didn't invest, undoubtedly he remembered, never said that to another woman. Also, he definitely went to other people at his firm and other VCs and was like, do not say, you know, started to wake other people up to, to like, Hey, maybe we need to change how we interview and the types of questions and the deep seated beliefs we have about women led companies, for instance. So I think that, yeah, there's purpose in there that maybe didn't end up in investment in dollars, but probably emotionally you invested in him. He's remembered the product and he's tracked it along the way. What was so funny, my husband, who wasn't there when he said this to me, said, what was that all about? I heard the tail end of it. And his response was, so does he just think I'm a deadbeat dad that I just, and which I thought was so funny. And I, I said, I don't know. I, I didn't yeah. even get that far. And and uh, he was like, that's really weird. Like, I wonder if he's just like wondering who's watching the kids. And yeah. I said, oh, I don't know. But anyway, I just thought it was so funny. Yeah. That is funny. I like it. Well, Kara, before I let you go, I do want to just talk about Undaunted for people listening, if they're going to go, they purchase this book, what is like one big theme, one big takeaway that you'd like the reader to take from reading your book? Yeah, I think, first of all, being an entrepreneur, it's challenging. It's super rewarding on a lot of levels. And I think if you're a lifelong learner, it's a great role to get up and do every single day. But you're going to have, there's easier ways to make money along the way. And I think being undaunted is being curious and trying and making sure that you can really do what you ultimately want to do. So that is the key thing that I want people to know. And hopefully you guys will get a chance to purchase the book and have a listen and definitely reach out to me at Kara Golden all over social and hope to hear from you. Thanks so much. I love it. And for anyone who wants to pick up the book, I will have a link in the show notes page so you can head on over and get yourself a copy. I will also link to all of Kara's social media channels. Kara, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciated this. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I will catch you next time. Um, 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 um.